Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. On today, in today's episode, we're talking to Mark Garfield, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Mark, thank you for joining us. And for our listeners who are not familiar with Mark, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself and what do you do? Hi, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me firstly on the show. Um, my pleasure. Yes. So my name is Mark Garfield. I started out in the industry as a drummer, actually. Uh, I still play the drums uh, today and I, I, um, I will never give it up as long as I can able to keep playing because uh, it keeps me sane from the, from the day to day. So that, that's uh, it's a good thing to have as a, as a release and just to stay in touch with the music. Um, so from being a drummer, I went on to uh, writing songs and then from writing songs, I went on to producing songs and then from producing songs, I went into the publishing side of things. And You know, I didn't so know you're also a producer, so you, you're a drummer, that I know. I don't yes. know how extensive or how deep, but we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah. you also you you're a music writer and lyrics are only just composing music, both. producing. Yeah, wow. both both, okay. both lyrics and and music. Yeah, in fact, I just um, I just wrote a song with uh, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, which is on his current album. Um, wow. And that was that was actually a mix of of lyrics and and music. But in, in with this particular song, it was mainly music. Um, but, uh, there was a few lyrics in there, which I think survived. I think Glenn ended up rewriting quite a lot of it, uh, in terms of mm -hmm. lyrics, but, uh, but we ended up as a, as a co-write with him. So that was, that was very nice. So my next question was, can you answer part of it, but I would say, how did you start it in the music industry? If we go back years ago. So I guess it started with being a drummer and how did this whole thing be lead to being a drummer? You know, <clears throat> yeah. So, so yeah. Going way back, um, my first sort of break was as a drummer. Uh, my first band, we got signed to Miles Copeland's company. Uh, he had a publishing company, and uh -huh. um, so that was quite a quite a good start in terms of we had you know someone a major player within the industry, and uh, we we ended up touring and. Uh, uh, making a record which didn't get released in the end sadly um not a proper release but we kind of had a taste but you got the, but you got the tour which is that's the the fun part at least it yes was, back it in the day if it's not released there's no radio play Correct. yeah that's it so uh, we got to do the fun bit which is a tour and in fact we 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 did a tour with uh ian gillen from deep purple so Again, that was a, a big lesson in, in, in rock and roll and, uh, uh -huh. you know, how, how, uh, how these old guys, well, they seemed old to us at the time. They were younger than I am now. So <laughs> I think, um, uh, it's, it's funny how, how you go through life and you think those guys are yes. old and, and then suddenly, you know, as it's, no, sorry. I mean, as a drummer, um, you also performed or, you know, in such iconic venues, uh, like the uh, Glastonbury, 
am I pronouncing it right? Glastonbury, am I right? Glastonbury, yeah, yeah, very much. Yes, so. yeah, yes. Fact, and that's like, a very I, iconic uh, venue. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, Glastonbury Festival. I think it's it's the it's probably safe to say it's it's the the world's biggest festival, most famous yes. festival. Um, and it certainly becomes one of the UK's largest towns when it's on because of the numbers it, of people, so it's, which is quite incredible. Yes. So it's like, it's in we want to hear about some of the experience of the early days of you being a drummer and performing there. I want to hear some of the experiences that you had there. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot. You'll give us a summary, I guess. Yeah, I mean, before, before that, um, uh, Glastonbury, in my first band, I played the Marquee Club here in London, and, so, you know, that's obviously huh. a... a an incredible um, experience to to do that as a young player, um, and then yeah, later on the Glastonbury thing happened. In fact, I played it twice uh, with a band called Neck, who were a London Irish band. So we're a little bit like the Pokes. Uh, we yeah. had traditional instruments as well as like a rock and roll band. So had fiddles and banjos and uh, bagpipes, but plus like drums, bass, and guitar. So that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, we. Yeah, we did Glastonbury twice with that band, uh, which was a lot of uh, amazing experience. We also ended up playing um, backstage parties as well. So we were playing to like a lot of the headlining acts. They were in the audience, so that that was quite a bizarre. Who did feeling. you play for? And in the, in the, uh, like who? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, all sorts of people. I remember at the time. Do you remember biggest, that band? Say. Well, I, I think the biggest person, this is actually a sidestep because it wasn't Glastonbury, but the biggest person I've ever had in the audience and recognizing as I was playing was, was uh, Pete Townsend. And oh, that was like, okay. okay, there's Pete Townsend from The Who. That's, 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 uh, <laughs> that's no, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So, um, yeah, that was fun. Great. Uh, you were also involved in really or associated in certain ways in some projects. I don't want to say you'll tell us what did you do. Uh, some of the biggest remarkable names, I would, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Led Zeppelin, Phil Collins. Um, can you tell us about this memorable experience? Well, those, those are sort of tenuous connections because those, that was working with people that worked with, with those people. But um I I always like to sort of talk about those things because I think the the experience of 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 working with those people and learning the stories about those great people that they were working with. So, for instance, yeah. the, the Hendrix um, connection is is through Eddie Kramer. So I I had the fortune to to um, work with Eddie Kramer, the producer, who obviously produced Hendrix and and set yeah. up Electric Ladyland and. He also worked with lots of other amazing bands like Rolling Stones and uh, Traffic is a favorite of mine that he did that not many yeah. people know too much about. But um, yeah, working with Eddie and learning from him and asking him sort of gradually as the session went on, it's like, so, you know, you worked on Led Zeppelin too, that drum sound, you know, how did you get that drum sound? And you know, <laughs> his simple answer is you get John Bonham to do it, of course. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is uh, amazing yeah yeah it's which is something which makes a lot of sense actually that uh, a lot of the time it's really is about the human behind it not so much the yes. production tricks and things yes yes i was gonna ask you didn't have any uh, signed guitars from uh, or a drumstick from Jimi hendrix or some of the people that possibly you came across in the studio while you're working with others 
I I do. I mean, it's it's funny because uh, uh, I do have uh, some some a few things myself. Yeah, I have some drumsticks from the drummer Cozy Pal. Uh, so uh-huh. I have a pair of his original sticks, and they are more like baseball bats and drumsticks. They are the biggest <laughs> drumsticks I have ever yeah. witnessed. I mean, how he played these things is is quite incredible. But uh, in America, they call it Louisville Sluggers. <laughs> Slugger. There you go. The Louisville <laughs> Sluggers. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, uh-huh. And uh, I, I have a, a great fortune of working here at the office, uh, which is at Rack Studios in in, uh, North, yeah. in North London. And uh, yeah. you know, there's so much memorabilia in in this building. In oh, terms I'm sure. Of I'm sure. Old records and uh, you know the records that were recorded here as well. And well, you know what? Let's get into some of the meat and potato things. Now, you place mm. music on Netflix, and on Netflix, actually, hit show Stranger Things, and right. which has a massive impact on pop uh, on pop culture, and also, as you know, uh, for example, it kind of uh, brought back one of the old songs of Katie Bush, and it made it chart again after thirty seven years. A song is charted because of the show of the hit show, and you placed music. Now, how do you do it to kind of match that type of, like when you place music in such a hit show in Netflix, like how do you do it? You know, how do you, what's the process of selecting music, you know, for that show specifically? So for that, that show, um, the, the music supervisor who, who is sort of the, the gateway to the show, to what music goes yeah. in the show is, is Nora Felder. Yeah. And she's, she's very much hands-on in terms of, uh-huh. um, working with the producers, the Duffer Brothers. So mm. in a show like that, the Duffer Brothers will probably say, hey, we've got a couple of tunes that we definitely want in there. Um, mm-hmm. And then Nora works with them in terms of um, lo- looking at the story and they use her expertise to, to, to work through the script and say, you know, in, in the case of the Kate Bush, that was uh, very much Nora's idea. So she, she, she read the script. She came up with the idea that uh, you know the, of, of the Kate Bush song that would work very well in there. So, the 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 way to get music into a show like that is to have a relationship with someone like Nora. And I suppose mm-hmm. for someone that someone that writes music and has a, cat, a catalog of music is to is to work with someone like Pop Up Music, like us, that work with Nora. So it's kind of a a couple of stages. Um, and the thing to remember about a show like Stranger Things is, of course, it's period music. So yes. you know, anything current from today is not going to work. But um, you know, when 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 Nora was briefing out on that show, I, I, I distinctly remember on the first uh, the first um, episodes, uh, the first series rather of when when yeah. she was reaching out saying, you know, looking for early eighties music. And you don't know what this show is going to be. So at this point, you know, there's certain um, reference tracks that were, that were in there. And um, I remember at the time they they were looking, they, they had things like the Clash in there, and it was kind of you know cool early um, post punk stuff and and rock stuff that was in there. So um, we would pitch uh, what we have in t- in terms of those timelines. What do you have from your catalog? So you didn't compose any music for the show. Basically, is it from yeah. the catalog, your catalog that yeah. you know that yeah. a lot of yeah. the artists give you? Okay, 
Okay, that's great, correct. Great. Yeah, yeah, hundred yes. percent. Because obviously the show has the the composers that you know do mm. yes. they 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 compose the theme if, and, if they uh, need to. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Interesting. And they fill Very in the interesting. Gaps. Mm-hmm. Again, the list go on and on. You know, uh, you also placed music into Tarantino's movies. Uh, one of the movie, I should say, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a great, iconic film. Big stars in it. And you did also, I would say, hit shows on Netflix, Apple TV, Amazon, etc. And the list probably go on and on. Can you share some of the behind-the-scene uh, stories about you know when it, from of one of these high-profile projects? Yeah, well, the, the I mean, Tarantino, I know you shared the first one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but the, the Tarantino story is 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 probably the best one to share because, uh-huh. as we all know, he only makes a certain amount of movies. You know, he hasn't made many; he's only yes. made nine, and he's about to do a tenth, apparently. Uh, so the 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 chances of getting music into 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 one of his films is, you know, it's a slim thing because the, the, there's there's not many slots to go in there. But uh, with with this particular movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, we had been uh, working with Mary Ramos, the the again uh, the music supervisor, on mm-hmm. other projects. She'd uh, reached out to us. She liked our catalog. She knew what sort of stuff we had. Um, at this point, we hadn't actually done any work with Mary or landed anything, but she was very much aware of us. And um, at the time, just before the movie, I, I noticed that there was a, a label in Italy uh, reissuing Spaghetti Westerns uh, on vinyl. So I reached mm. out to them in Rome and asked them uh, if uh, if anyone was uh, looking after the sync on these uh these uh, amazing records and uh, they happened to say no so uh, we we uh, pop up struck a deal with them and uh, uh, started to represent these amazing spaghetti western tracks so from wow. there what we do is uh, in our sort of every day every week we do like a, a track of the week uh, which we put out as a blast which goes to all of these music supervisors uh, right across the industry, and Mary happened to be one of them. And uh, we were putting out these spaghetti westerns with the original posters, which is quite ironic because Quinton actually went back and used that same artist that was on all these these posters that we were um, we mm. were putting out. So he got them to do all the Rick Dalton character and uh, all those posters for for the movie, which is really cool. Um, so Mary obviously saw that we had this stuff, was working with Quinton, and, and she just reached out to us and said, uh, do you have this one, this one, and this one? There's three different titles. And uh, wow. we happened to um, actually have those titles. And uh, it was as easy as that. <laughs> A long story, wow. but Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, you know, just uh, I would say, the curation level on your end to go through and listen to a lot of these songs and music just to have them qualified to be sent out to music supervisor must must be something very tense do you do this every day the curation you know before you send music out and yeah yeah we do i mean there's two of us in the company there's myself and jim and jim and i yeah on a day-to-day basis you know we get sent a lot of stuff we do campaigns where we get people to send stuff into us. Um, so every day we are 
You listen to music. Yeah, yeah, every day and now, just vetting it. Do you take anybody's catalog? Like if somebody comes in, a producer or a studio artist, or I mean, how do you, what kind of music in your catalog? Is it just a studio or there's all kind of stuff? It, it, is, know, all, it is, it really, it really is all kinds of stuff. But the sort of the one common denominator is, is we have to look at the, the track and go, okay, where could we see this being placed? Because we get sent mm-hmm. a lot of music, which might not be appropriate because we might think, well, this is great, but I can't really see that in a movie because, you know, the, the lyrics are not right or the, the, the period's not right or just, you know, it doesn't, not just a great song will work. Uh, so not anybody could come in and just bring in their, their songs and music. You do kind That's of right. critique and A and R everything. Yeah. Like wait a yeah, second, now nah, this is, yeah. doesn't fit. What do we do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you know that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, how, what's your advice? You know, because you're an experienced, uh, you know, very experienced in publishing and sync, especially because you know, well, I would say publishing and sync they go hand in hand. Uh, what's your advice to? musician and songwriters who want to get into this business not own a company like yours no but having their music being placed mm. in movies and films and tv shows and maybe commercials whatever chance they have what's your advice or tip to them how they construct their music and what to do what not to do yeah i, I think that the, the main piece of advice is to be as unique um as you can because in this day and age and more so in this day and age there's so yeah. much music out there that you need to stand out from the crowd. So whatever you're Correct. doing, depending on what genre it is or what style it's in, you just need to be um, different from from what's out there so that you can stand out. And I think I think if something stands out, then you've got to stand a chance. But if it sounds very similar to something else or, you know, too similar, then then that's not going to do you any favors. So or it just needs to be extremely good as a song within its genre. Mm-hmm. So quality and things that are done from the heart. Yeah. Quality is yeah. very important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's a good word, Bob. I mean, things, things that are done from the heart tend to always. be mu- mu- always yeah. much better in whether it's a song being played on the radio or you're pitching yeah. to a, a record company to an A&R man. If it comes from the heart, then it will resonate with the with the viewer, and uh, yes, it will absolutely, work. absolutely. I mean, you had an incredible journey, Mark. I would say um, the music industry, we all know it, you know, full of challenges and setback. Um, can you share a difficult moment or an experience that you had in the past you faced in your career in the, uh, in the music industry, and how did you overcome it? Great question. I mean, I think the first two years of Pop-Up's life was very difficult because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, ca- I came into the, the, the publishing and sync side of things thinking I could kind of jump the queue a bit because I'd worked with all these great people before. But mm-hmm. like, any, like any industry, you know, you need, to, you need to tread the boards and you need to pay your dues and, 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 and uh, work your way up. And I was very naive. I thought, well, I have this great music. Why are people not taking my music? So the first two two years, I would say, were, were very frustrating and very hard. But the the thing that kept kept me going was, well, I've got a vision here, and the music's great, 
and and some of this music can really get placed and i just have to believe in it and it was going back to the song and going back to the music and just believing in in the songs that they would would work out and and it, and it did good great amazing um in your opinion uh what is the most uh, common i would say misconception in our industry the music industry uh there's there's many <laughs> it's uh Give us i mean some uh, of the top uh, ones at least yeah i mean the, the top thing i hear all the time is you know my music's great for sync and uh, uh i always say it's only great for sync if the project's right and that's so true yes. it's it is you know you can have a yes. great song and it is a great song but if the project's not right for that song it then fit. it's yes. it's not going to be great for sync so i yes. think that is something people can get a little bit deluded with perhaps yes yeah yeah absolutely um as you know we all know in the music industry collaboration is one of the key elements you know how this whole thing always worked uh, can you share a memorable collaboration or a story of someone that you worked with that kind of left an impact on you? I mean, I'm personally, I'm a great believer in, in collaboration and as, as a writer and as yes. a, as a producer, um, I find the you know, collaboration is, is, is certainly something I need because personally I need to bounce off. Um, so, you know, I mentioned it earlier. The the collaboration with Glenn Matlock was was really yes. quite amazing for me. Um, I've also collaborated with Clem Burke from Blondie, and uh, because he is again such an icon and such a such a great musician, the uh -huh. the power of the collaboration for me is to you know, learn from him. You know, and it was the same with Glenn and and. Uh, the all the other people that i've had the good fortune to collaborate with pete brown the writer sadly died earlier this year also mo foster sadly died this year but a fantastic bass player he played with phil collins and uh jeff beck yeah. and you know if you can if, if anyone can collaborate with people that are better than you it really pulls you up and uh yes. i think that's that, that's a good tip yes um we all know technology is uh, moving faster than we ever thought, and it's significantly changing the whole landscape of the music industry. Now, would I say how advancement in technology changing your pace and what do you do and how does it influence your work? It, it, it's something which is it's really coming over the hill, as they say. You know, it's really, if it's not even coming over the hill, it's with us, you know, in terms of AI within within our industry at the moment yes. we're in complete flux you know kind of no one really knows what's actually happening because legally things have not been sorted out i was on a, a panel uh, or I, I sat sat in on a panel which had yeah. uh, five lawyers on it uh my can um in in france and uh the 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 topic was was um ai and a question from the audience was from another publisher which was it was quite funny how he said it. he said you know apart from you lot who's gonna make any money out of ai <laughs> meaning you know the lawyers are going to be the ones to, to 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 make the money certainly initially um but you know until 
until I mean, there's so many levels of how AI impacts what I'm doing in sync. Um, in terms how of how is that? Um, well, you know, in terms of if someone gives me a uh, gives us a song and and it's got uh, AI generated lyrics or AI generated voices, then at the moment the the copyright is not in place to to handle that. So you know we have to be very vigilant to to and it's very difficult to tell i mean i can't tell if someone sends me a song and it's been written in the style of um bob dylan i mean maybe i'll detect it by my own uh, knowledge and ears but um you know it's well, it's, it's, yeah, I, it's I tricky so much that i would look at it you know the way i look at things sometimes humans you know Look at you. You're a drummer, you're a music writer, lyric writer, and composer. Obviously, you had to be influenced by certain sounds and certain styles of music. And, you know, uh, you might hear something. It's like, well, that's not my style. I don't do techno. I'm more of a, you know, a band kind of style of different. So there's all type of music you influence. I would say, look mm -hmm. at it that AI only, the only difference, instead of us taking us a lifetime to learn or become better, it's taken AI minutes or seconds to learn. And to, I wouldn't say be creative. Humans, you know, you have like an artist, you know, whether you're a painter or a musician or a writer or a mm -hmm. singer. Yes, it's a talent and something you have in you that to come up with new ideas that nobody did. But again, you have to be influenced by something. You cannot just mm -hmm. wake up and say, like me waking up. I, know, I don't write music. I, don't, I produce some stuff, but I wouldn't say, oh, oh, I'm going to write a song today and I'm going to produce it. No, I can't. It's just you have to have it in you, something that you feel it and you do it absolutely but i think in my opinion that ai you know people kind of the misconception here is they scared of it you know well nothing to be scared of it could actually help and advance what we do if it helps you as a writer or as a music composer to advance ideas why not i would say no oh i you know i agree with you 100 percent, bob and i i i think you know it's exciting because you know if if legally I can have a voice that uh, is John Lennon's voice on my track doing backing vocals and then I mix it with something completely different, then I can yeah. come up with something familiar but original and very exciting. And it's just like, hang on, that's, is, that, is that John Lennon? Well, it's not. It's an AI version, but because I've done it this way uh, yeah. and, and what have you. But as I said at the start, until those until those uh, legalities are sorted out as to who actually gets that money uh, is it the the ai robot the company that generates the ai is it john lennon's estate is it me because i programmed it or i created it you know that all of those copyrights yeah. and royalty things are just not sorted out so until until there's a law on it then it's it's gonna be um we're gonna kind of have to wait a little bit as publishers because yes uh, yes but you're I agree. a publisher I, so you would know about the yeah yeah i agree though bob i think it's i think it's something not to be scared of people were scared of drum machines no, and no. look at all the great records that were made with drum oh machines my God, drum machine the, the the little sound i used to have a studio back in the day and i remember all these machines i used to buy them from um what's the name of that store sam something in New York, and uh -huh. uh, you know the modules. All these modules used to come up with the, the sounds, and but these sounds made by somebody, obviously. 
you know, now yeah. we call it AI. Back in the day, it wasn't called AI. You know, samples and yeah. all yeah. type. And you use it for all your records, all your records back in, all the pop records, all based on samples and sem- yeah. module sounds and all of that. You know that. All the pop records yeah. in the 80s. You know, of from course. some of the biggest artists. Of course. Yeah. Uh, of course. And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it made them make records differently, and um, yes. which we all yes. now love, love and, you know, cherish. You know, In the Air Tonight uh, yes. by Phil Collins with that initial... Yeah. Drum pattern that has not the big, but the 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 initial pad that enabled him to just have something, cause, and then him just play play his keyboard and sing. So it was like a tool, a writing tool. But he kind of thought, actually, that sounds really cool. I'm going to leave that yes. in. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Let's you not know, be scared. We're going to evolve. We're going to evolve. We're going to evolve. You know, I mean, I remember like back in the day when they started. Uh, when you were selling vinyl and CDs and cassettes, bootlegging was a big thing, you know. Sure. Now, yeah. with digital, you cannot bootleg anymore. Sure, you could download, you know, but downloads is no, you know, it's all streaming. But it eliminated yeah. a lot of the bootlegs stuff, you know, a lot yeah. of records being sold from the trunk or the back, whatever they, you know, a lot of artists never got paid for. A lot of records were sold. But that eliminated it, you know, yeah. when yeah. you went digital. Yeah. So it does have some of its benefits. You know, it's always does. And we're always going to evolve anyhow in the music business. And that's what it's all about, you know, and adapting yeah. to new ways of making music. Um, you know, how do you stay updated and innovative, innovative, innovative in, in, in what do you do? Like, what's, what do you follow as far as new trends and things? Like, what's, uh, what, what do you do? Yeah, a number of things, really. I mean, uh, the, the location where I am here at the studio in Rack is, is very good. There's, you know, big contemporary artists coming, coming through all the time yeah. and you kind of get a wind of what people are doing. Uh, so that's, that's good. I also attend a lot of conferences. I've just come back from uh, bomb in Bogota. So I was speaking, mm-hmm. speaking at that and also went as a buyer to, to sign up music. So seeing what great music's coming out of Colombia. So by, being going to these these conferences, I was at the Future Music Forum in Barcelona, where you know, lots of leading that? experts. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, really, really good. I wish I could have been there longer and caught up some more of the panels because there was a few people that were were speaking on on different subjects that I'd like to have sat in on because you know it's all key and it's all information and uh, these people really know what's 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 around the corner. Hmm. Interesting. Can you give us some yeah. examples or some? Uh, yeah. You know? So, I mean, um, I was at a, at a party on Tuesday night and I was speaking to a yeah. lawyer and yeah. I don't know how confidential this is, but I'm not going to name names, so it doesn't matter. But essentially, um, there's a lot of um, talk about uh, ticketing and, and how ticketing uh, can 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 hold information like Facebook holds information about. Okay, you have a certain fan that buys buys a ticket, but they might bring a friend that's not the fan of the band, and uh, it's like, how do you harvest that information about not not the fan, but of the the friend that came along? And it's like, uh, okay, so how do we reach out to the, that that person that came to 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 the concert? And just things like this, I find really interesting to know about in mm-hmm. terms of you know, what the industry is doing in terms of, uh, you know, helping artists and, and labels and, you know, find their audience and things like this. Mm, interesting. Uh, interesting. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've decided to create this podcast pretty much uh, because I came across uh, tr uh, a tremendously a lot of inspiring people and great stories. And throughout my uh, career in this uh, music industry, over 25 years plus, um, and I wanted to inspire others like myself and mm -hmm. with uh, who had, I would say, a very unique path uh, in the music industry. And I'm sure many yeah. of our listeners also seeking a breakthrough, the noise, and to, to succeed in this business. And as we both know, this business has a lot of the gatekeeping in it um, yeah. and very saturated too. Can you give us some strategies and on how individuals can navigate uh, throughout these challenges and some of the obstacles and the gatekeeping? Yeah, I, I think turning up is a key. You know, you've got to mm -hmm. get out there and you've got to turn up to things because although a lot of things are online and uh, which is fantastic and you can do a lot of work by working online, I also think that there's a lot of opportunities where actually if you still connect with that human being behind a project. So things like I was mentioning, things like the Future Music Forum in Barcelona. Next week I'm going to a thing called uh, so, so Alive in Bulgaria. Uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, it's going to showcase bands and it's going to have uh, a lot of industry experts, people coming from the States, the UK, all over. Um, so I think uh, you need to get out there and, uh, and, and network. But I also think people need to play live still. Um, you know, if you're coming from an artist uh, background, I mean, if you're coming from, from, you know, wanting to get into what I do, or you know what a, a PR person does, or a plugger does, or any of these other yeah. roles, music supervisor. You have to turn up, and you have to work out who are the gatekeepers, who are these people. Then you need to start to develop a, a network, a network of make people. Make connections. Make yes. a connection because it's like you know, Bob. Be if I there, speak, yes. Be out there, and you know, it's like if I speak to you and I say, "Hey, Bob, you know, you've been in the industry twenty five years." I'm, I'm like, "Have you got any records that you recorded back in X Y Z that you can let me have?" And it's yes. about that. It's about me knowing people, and it's about yes. me getting that record, and then I can go, "Hey, I've got Bob's uh, record from the nineties that he recorded in ninety four or whatever." And, you know, here yes. it is. Yes, you know, stuff like that. Then it's, you know, it's it's not about being lucky is not about making luck. It's just about turning up. You know, 70, 70 yes. of success is actually just turning up apparently. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and, my and do it. Well said. Yes. Well also said. finish and finish things. A lot of people don't finish, finish what you started. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause, cause if you, if you, if you, if you, you know, particularly with music and records, it's just like, you know, just finish it. It doesn't matter. Move on to the next thing and get get it done. But be, get it done. And if be you've consistent. got it finished, yes. be consistent. Yeah. But that yes. could also mean following up people. You know, it's just like, well, wow, I met that I met that guy at that network thing and I thought he was really good. But I hadn't heard yes. from him. Well, you only've emailed him once. Give him another email or her. You know. That's it. You know, I always say we in the follow-up business, besides being in the creative artistic business we in the follow-up business this is a big are, thing in the music business yes. we are in the follow-up business because because as you know we're not at the top of the mind uh, all the yes. time you know and you need Absolutely. to be front of mind and that front of mind yeah. thing is just like it's so important 
it really is to 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 be to be in the in the front of mind yeah well i'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate all these wonderful insights and tips that you've given us uh mark before we wrap up anything that you'd like to plug in any projects that you're working on please feel free uh, any surprises any interesting things um i as we speak i'm just just waiting for the uh music and sound awards we were nominated for the best sync so i don't Lovely. know if we've won it yet we might well have won it we might have just be the nominee but it's even does that take place is there something it's, online it's or taking place right or? now yeah Ooh, it's taking place okay. right now and they they release the results so uh but that that's a, that's a really really great thing to be nominated so we were nominated for uh best uh best sync in a in a feature film uh, and the film uh-huh. was uh, Mafia Mama, which we had an, an old Italian track from, uh, which is called Via from the 1960s. It's a wonderful uh-huh. track. Um, so anyway, we'll find out later. Is, is there, is way, there a good. website or is it online that people could go it's, to? It's like, this, yes, how to watch of, it? Huh? It's the Sound of, Sound of Music Awards. Uh, and they actually sound of music awards. No, so sound okay. and music awards. Yeah. Oh, sound and music awards. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's um, they really actually because they normally would have done a, a in person event. Uh, since the pandemic, they stopped doing it that way. So they've be, they're releasing it on Twitter. It's just not called Twitter oh. anymore. <laughs> so okay, that's sound results. of music awards. Yeah, Interesting. Sound okay. of music awards. Yeah. But it's, well, the yeah, best of luck. Be, thank you. Yeah, so that's that's coming up. So that's what I mentioned. So what they send you like a plaque or something when you win, or uh, if we just, win, we know. get yeah, we get a good, nice trophy. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, congrats, my yeah. friend. You, you well deserved. I mean, an impressive, I would say, resume. Very impressive. You know the names oh, that you, you dropped and you worked and you placed music in. Absolutely something to be proud of, my friend. And oh, thank uh, you much. Happy to have you. Uh, well, I guess all good things come to an end. Uh, I want to say thank you for joining us today. And uh, this concludes today's episode at Soundbreaker. Please make sure to follow us on social media and all our social media. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you. See ya. Thank you, Bob. Take care. My pleasure. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye now. Bye. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.